This time on episode 395 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk What If the Watcher Broke His Oath from the Disney Plus Marvel series What If. We talk weekly Marvel news, including the end of the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit, more information about 2022's Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and hints at what we'll see in What If Season 2, and your feedback. I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the shield director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm consultant Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. This show is recorded on Thursday, October 7th, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast omniverse-wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Hey guys, happy National LED Day. Woohoo! I actually just got a new LED lamp for reading at night nice oh wait no reading at night (laughs) (laughs) i actually have a kindle paper white so it doesn't really matter but i do like light i obviously am well lighted in the studio because my eyes tire if i'm not in the light so yeah I, i like leds same they cause me way less headaches than other types of light bulbs So LED Light Day was created in 2016, and the Registrar at National Day Calendar approved the day in 2016. So this is not something that just happened last year, like a bunch of stuff has. This has been going on for five years. Do you think that they created so many new, today's the day of blank holidays last year, because um, we were all stuck inside and going a little nuts? That might have been it, but I think... Maybe a lot of the marketing teams it just got out to be a tip for if you're promoting an industry to have that thing be in the National Day calendar. Yeah, that's also true. But it could have been because all the marketing teams were at home. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? I mean, I just know that National Cheeseburger Day has been a thing for a while and it's conveniently on my birthday, Ooh. which just works out really well. I was going to say, is National Cheeseburger Day every day in America? I mean... Friday is cheeseburger day. I call when I leave work. I confuse the newer people because I tell them I'll be there in an hour. And I'm usually within five minutes of being right. <laughs> if anybody ever wants cheeseburgers and you happen to be in Austin, Texas, let me know and I will send you to the best cheeseburgers I have ever had in my entire life. And I've had a few. What's your address? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've talked enough about food right now. We have an amazing show to give you today. We have an amazing episode to talk about, amazing news to talk about, amazing feedback to talk about. So you guys want to get into it right now? Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, I've been waiting for this one. 
So Legends <laughs> of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes. Because of Viva Las Vegas. If you want to talk to us about Las Vegas, head on over to the website, legendsofshield.com. You can leave us a voicemail at our voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. If you have any incriminating pictures about what happened in Las Vegas, maybe go check out the Facebook page of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Tell us about your favorite experiences with Las Vegas on our Twitter, at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. If you find some good secret passages in Las Vegas, pull out your phone and go over to YouTube at youtube.com slash gunnageek and let us know where you found them. You can join our Discord server to discuss Vegas among everything else at gunnageek.com slash discord. And don't forget that Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network where there's more than one street, just like Las Vegas. (laughs) I remember the last time I was in Las Vegas. It was fun. I went up to Old Town and got to look up at the ceiling. Have you guys ever been up there to see the light show? It's a screen that's an entire street wide. Yep. So my relatives love going to Vegas. They go once a year because one of my cousins runs a marathon in Vegas every year. I haven't been in a few years, but I really like going in like January because the weather is just fantastic. And it's not too crowded. The next time I go to Vegas, I'm going to go into the middle of the street and I'm going to pose and I'm going to say, Viva Las Vegas! (laughs) Uh, You guys ready to talk about it? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. What if the Watcher broke his oath? Season one, episode nine, the finale of the first season of What If premiered on Disney Plus Wednesday, October 6th, 2021. The IMDb description reads, the Watcher gathers heroes from across the multiverse for one final battle against Ultra Vision. Chris, who directed this episode? This episode was directed by Brian Andrews. He has three directing credits going all the way back to 1999, which I've been told is not just a few years ago. Three of those were Men in Black, the series, five of them for Jackie Chan Adventures. And we can finally, finally confirm once and for all that he gets nine directing credits for What If. Yeah, apparently in the interviews that I've heard from AC Bradley, they kept the creative team small deliberately on this one so he got all the directing credit which is pretty common with the all these disney plus series because it's kind of like mini movies that they've been putting out so a lot of credit to brian you did a great job can't wait if you come back for season two i don't know if he's been confirmed for season two or not but can't wait if you come back for season two aside from those eh, episodes in the middle did a great job Lauren, who was the story editor for this episode? Okay, this was story edited by Matthew Chauncey, who has two writing credits starting in 2018, including 16 of Three Below Tales of Arcadia and nine episodes of What If? So he was the story editor for all of them, but the like got written for credit for only five. And again, AC Bradley said, I didn't want a large writing room. So it was basically her and Matthew. They were great for this uh, to getting from point A to point B. But again, there was a couple of episodes in the middle. I won't say there were bad episodes. I like the zombie one. Like, why did it end where it ended? Right. (laughs) But the rest of them, 
at least had an ending, I think, but a couple of them are, eh. But at the end, amazing, amazing at the end. So let's talk about AC Bradley. She is the creator, head writer, and showrunner for this. She has five total writing credits starting in 2005, one episode of Arrow, Birds of Prey, 28 episodes of Troll Hunters, Tales of Arcadia, 38 episodes of Three Below, Tales of Arcadia, and then nine episodes of What If combination between story editor, head writer, writer, and story editor. I already said that. So AC Bradley really came this home. And I want to comment on AC Bradley being so available to so many news outlets. We did get many, many news stories from her. She was on many, many podcasts. We haven't had her on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. yet, but she was on other podcasts. She was very accessible. I have not seen this level of accessibility in a showrunner since Voices of Defiance, which was my very first podcast about the sci-fi show Defiance. So kudos to you, AC Bradley, for pulling off a good job and then pulling off all of the promotion that you did along the way. Great job. All right, this episode, what if the Watcher broke his oath? First thoughts. Chris, we'll go to you first. I was coming into this thinking it was going to be like just the back half of last week's episode. And it is so much better than that. It's more like when you have your cross show crossovers back in the 90s when that happened a lot more. And one episode was kind of, okay, you really need the other one. And then the other series had the good episode. This was the good episode of the pair. It was. I will leave my thoughts, but Lauren, you go first. Ooh, okay. I, I really loved this episode. The acting was fantastic. It was funny. It was dramatic. You know, you mentioned the zombie episode. There's some previous episodes where we're like, well, why did they end it there? And now we know it's because it's all leading up to this. And it's just, I really love the way that the characters all played off of each other. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do in season two. This was pulling it all together. I love these big epic finale episodes or movies, as was the case may be. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about it later. AC Bradley said that this is not meant to be an Avengers 5 sort of thing, but she really did pull it off. So I don't know if we'll get this sort of team ending next season or not but they did a great job now it was telegraphed they weren't silent so if you were in the social media circles or reading the news stories about the series you could quickly come to the same conclusion that i did that we were going to get guardians of the multiverse but they still pulled it off great because you're just like i don't know where we're going and It started to be telegraphed in episode six, like on screen, when you saw Ultron coming into the Party Thor episode. Then we got full-blown backstory to it last episode, and then you get the conclusion this episode. So it was really a three-episode arc to close off the series, and I thought that was great. So I went into it. I watched it in my home theater. I made sure it was dark. I'm like, okay, good or bad, I'm going to watch this like a movie. So I sat down with snacks, drink, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm glad I did it that way because it just made it more epic to me. Am I biased a little bit? Maybe because I have been fanning on Marvel doing this podcast since 2013, but I still think it pulled off and it pulled off really well. Like if you can think of the finale to WandaVision, 
we were thinking in terms of there's more to the story, right? But if you go back and watch it, it's an amazing ending. But leading up to it, we were thinking that there were so many connections that were there that weren't. So it was kind of almost a letdown. But going back, it's still good, right? And then you get to The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think the series needed to be done. I think there was a lot of disappointment to a lot of fans that it wasn't as good as the rest of the series or it could be. Then you get to the end of Loki and you're like scratching your head of where are we with this? What's going on? What's the next steps for not only the Disney Plus series, but the MCU? And we knew we were going to get this what if stuff. So not connected, at least not yet. But these what if series came in and it was an anthology and it came out where this episode, I went away with it with a fist pumping moment, like data in, in the Star Trek Nemesis. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, this came through for me. So I have a thought on actually why a bunch of people, me included, didn't like Falcon Winter Soldier as much as maybe we were hoping to. It was kind of the most straightforwardly we've seen this before, this type of story before. Whereas with Loki, we get the reality weirdness. With this, we get multiverse weirdness. With WandaVision, we get chaos magic weirdness. So we're kind of being a little bit spoiled by having all of this like, okay, this is all this stuff that they couldn't really afford to put in the movies because you have to run movies by all sorts of like budgeting committees and stuff. And you kind of have to write it by committee, whereas it's a lot more low stakes with a TV show, even a Disney plus Marvel funded TV show. Falcon of the Winter Soldier was also hit by uh, pandemic timing weirdness. They had a pandemic storyline going in there. You got to go in and change some stuff up because nobody wants to watch that while they're dealing with it in real life. So last minute changes certainly didn't help that one. So just to end this part of the discussion by saying if Agent Michelle was here, she would say they stuck the landing. (laughs) So let's move on to voice acting thoughts. And we're not going to go down the entire list like we have in the past because there was really limited the new actors that we got and the actors that we got that we talked about before. I just don't want to revisit them. However, there's a couple that we will. The first one is going to be Chadwick Boseman. This was his final appearance anywhere, we think. there. You take a look at his IMDb credits and there's nothing in post-production or anything like that. So this was it for Chadwick Boseman, who played T'Challa in the MCU. He was T'Challa Star-Lord in What If? And he was really amazing every time he was on screen, all four episodes. That was the one thing out of this episode that I was like, oh, oh, in the feels. This was just uh, almost ripping my heart out whenever he was on screen. But it was great to have him one last time. If he had to have a last appearance, I'm glad at least it was something like this. I'm kind of, okay, yeah, I was also a wreck. But I'm kind of glad that... His last appearance was a joyful one because this T'Challa doesn't have as much of like the burdens as MCU T'Challa. This one is Star-Lord who has done just good all across the galaxy. He's a lot more lighthearted because he doesn't have the expectations of being a leader in that sort of way. So we got this very lighthearted, victorious T'Challa. And... As far as send-offs go, I'm 
I mean, I'm not okay with it, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, everything you said there perfectly spot on. But then I was also seeing today that they had kind of had plans for a T'Challa Star-Lord series. And that's just, oh, oh that would have been so much fun. And he would have been... had so much fun doing it. Uh, and I don't know if they're pandering to the fan base or not there, but to actually come out and say that, yes, we were, and not be heavy-handed about it, because there's no way we're going to get it, right? It's, it's amazing. Also, I either heard or read somewhere that he came in twice to do his voice work, and the second time was like a month before he passed. Must have been very difficult for him, first of all, and second of all, he was very close to the end there. So this was the last thing that I know of, at least, that he did. So thank you very much, wherever you are, Chadwick, for giving us great performances all the way to the end. So moving on from that, we did have probably the best performance of the season of Jeffrey Wright, The Watcher. And Chris, this goes directly to you. Let's go with The Watcher Watch for the episode. As will come as a surprise to exactly zero people here, this was my favorite Watcher performance. Everything else was good. You know, the bleeding in to the scenes and everything was good coming into this. But here, we actually get to see the Watcher have a personality. I think that's my favorite part. I know we're going to hit up more on that later, so I'll let that go there. But this Watcher was definitely worth waiting for. So Jeffrey Wright, I like him in general. He did a fantastic job with this performance. He had the the humor where needed, the gravitas where needed. Of course, every time he showed up, all I could think of was Chris. I think it was a really good end to this particular arc of this series. My favorite scene out of this, and we'll talk about it later, is at the last part of it when he's having that talk in the bar with Black Widow there. I think that encapsulates everything about the character. And like Chris said, we'll talk about that later. Moving on, this is a new voice acting for this series. We had... George St. Pierre, who played Batrock, right? And other than the MCU, his only other credit is Kickboxer Vengeance. I took a look at his <laughs> IMDb. And okay, so we saw him. He got to dance around the ship with Captain Carter there. I, okay, that's about it. Yeah, there wasn't much to the performance, but there didn't really need to be. It's again one of those like, oh, hey, this guy coming back. It's not a big part. So. You know, you don't really need to knock it out of the park. It was a nice little callback to uh, Winter Soldier. Batrock was here. Batrock didn't screw anything up. I mean, that's about it. Yeah, basically mimicking his performance in Civil War. It was almost the same scene, right? So, and he did incredible actual live action back then too. So, and my mind immediately went to that. Moving on, we also had another new actor, Brian T. Delaney, played Peter Quill. So Brian T. Delaney has done a lot of minor characters in live action and a lot of minor voiceover work. So he's in Jersey Girl, who's in the 2012 version of Total Recall as a minor character. He did additional voices in Star Trek Into Darkness. He was in Minions as an additional voice, so that's some animation credit. He did Scarecrow in the 2015 Batman Unlimited series. 
He was additional voices in The Secret Life of Pets. He was in Resident Evil Vendetta, and if memory serves, it was like a security guard or something like that. He was in The Grinch as additional voices. He was in Voltron Legendary Defender, The Secret Life of Pets 2, and a ton of video game voiceover credits. I didn't see any awards. He does have a lot of credits, though, for only being in the business for a few years. So I wouldn't say that he made an excellent Peter Quill. It was definitely a different voice. I was disappointed that we didn't hear Chris Pratt, but I can't say there was anything necessarily wrong with his performance. Yeah, he was fine. He's a pretty good voice match for Chris Pratt. That's really all I got to say. And I get he was in a previous episode, but he only had like the one, sir, this is a Denny's line or, you know, Dairy Queen, whatever. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't really a reason to make sure you got Chris Pratt for this one. There just wasn't enough lines to make it worth it. I think if we actually did get Chris Pratt, they would have made more lines for him. So moving on, Mick Wingert, we talked about him before. He voiced Tony Stark, Iron Man. We've gone into his Marvel history before. I just wanted to talk about him right now in Tony Stark. And we actually didn't see Tony Stark die in this one. I mean, he (laughs) made it through. So that's a bonus for this episode. And just want to say, AC, I'm watching you next season. If Tony Stark continues to die, I, I don't know. What if they pick a new character to die every episode next season? Like, um, what if they bring back Sitwell and Sitwell dies every episode? I was thinking that they were going to do that, especially for the zombie episode, and they didn't. So that would be cool. Chris, what do you think? I'm actually kind of disappointed that Tony didn't die in this one. We broke the streak. There was no reason (laughs) to do that. We should have had a a post-post credit scene. (laughs) So somebody on Reddit posted all the Tony Stark deaths and got to this episode and just said it was a death because the watcher killed him with words. <laughs> I can work with that because he did. Yeah. Mm. No, not you Stark Gamora. I'm choosing you that. Yes. So aside from that, Mick, I just want to say thank you for your performance as Tony and hopefully next season, if you're in it, that you get to actually survive a little bit more. Now, this is a new actor for this season, Cynthia K. McWilliams, who was in Prison Break way back in the day, also was in Valorant and League of Legends. Yep. For those who are curious, she played Senna in League of Legends. I played for a while, so I got excited. So she voiced Gamora. I didn't have anything wrong with the performance. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a good performance, and she's a pretty decent voice match. and. I just wish we got the actual episode that Gamora was featured in, which we, I guess, now know it was going to be that instead of She-Hulk like we had thought. But, you know, I'll take having her in this episode as long as we get to have her at all. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that was a little weird about this at all was that we didn't have the Gamora episode to have any kind of backstory on it. But if you can get past that, which should be a hard thing to get past anyway, she did a really good job. I don't think I could get past Tony Stark's suit. That was a big suit. It wasn't Veronica. I'd have no idea what it was, but it was a big suit. It looked vaguely Hulkbuster. Yeah, it's like something between Hulkbuster and um, if you ever like read any of the comics where he goes into space. I thought it was this more akin to the space suit than Veronica because Veronica is, was the MCU version of the Hulkbuster. So that's why I called it Veronica. 
Okay. Also, the last one we'll talk about is Ross Marquand. So he played Ultron, also played Johann Schmidt in the Captain Carter episode. I want to bring this up because after we recorded last week, I noticed a ton of pushback on him playing Ultron in the last episode. Like, if you're going to call it Ultron, you got to have James Spader. I was like, eh, my take on it is, first of all, I don't know if James Spader even wanted to do this or if he was available or whatever. But my opinion is that it was not Ultron. It was a different amalgamation of the character because it was a true combining of the two characters. And I just can see it's okay to have a different voice playing it. That's me. I'm saying it's okay. I recognize that a lot of fans had something against it and would have loved to have heard James Spader. Actually, I would have loved to have heard James Spader too. You know, Stargate fan. Okay. But aside, aside from that, I thought it was okay to use a different voice. Yeah, I was fine with it. I'm used to James Spader being replaced in stuff. Coughs in Stargate SG-1. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that this was not the MCU Ultron, I wasn't expecting James Spader because of that from the beginning, so it probably primed me a little bit better to have a different voice actor for it. But, you know, you have a different character. You get a different voice. So when we start off, it's basically just the mission from Captain America, Winter Soldier, uh, with a bit of, you know, swapped dialogue. You know, now we have, what was it, Bernard from accounting? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. We're familiar with it. We see Captain Carter go up against Batrock like before. And then things go a little bit off the rails because, uh, you know, the watcher shows up. The fun thing with that too is we don't know who can actually see the watcher at this point. So you've got Captain Carter pointing up over Batrock's shoulder, like, hi, I know we're just trying to punch each other in the face, but here's this giant headed being who I've seen <laughs> before and is back again. And what is going on now? Yeah. So we get Peggy gets recruited. And we see, okay, remind me of the timeline of who goes when. So we know we get that first. Next is T'Challa Star-Lord. He gets recruited. We get Party Thor defending Las Vegas, mad because he was going to go on a date. The Watcher can't quite get his attention because Thor is mad because he was going to go on a date. To be fair, if... I was going to about be going on a date with Jane. I would also be mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he really wanted to go on that date with Jane Foster. He said Jane Foster's name. He's really into Jane Foster, the whole name, Jane Foster. <laughs> yeah, we have Killmonger about to be caught by Shuri and the Dora Milaje and being recruited. We have Gamora being recruited, like we said, with next to Stark. And uh, Strange, we find Strange just kind of chatting with the Watcher. They're working together. I really dug that dynamic. They're friends. Yeah. Yeah. We, what do friends do for each other? And I really liked when the Watcher appears in front of everybody. You have been chosen. You need to get a new tr trick, man. <laughs> it reminded me a lot like the last Starfighter. It reminded me of uh, the Galactic Inquisitor from Venture Brothers. Ignore me! <laughs> I've forgotten about that. 
I still quote that just all the time. We're not going to get another Venture Brothers season that was canceled finally. We're getting a wrap-up movie. Oh, that's right. Yes, wrap-up movies for like that and Metalocalypse, and I'm very happy. I think you guys just talked about it, but Thor being taken and like, you totally ignored him because he's having fun. This is party Thor, right? And oh, fighting yeah. is fun for him, right? And he's having fun and everything. And then the Watcher's like, yeah, I'm just going to take you anyway. This is also, I think, the best place to throw this part in. I was really surprised that my cat Thor didn't react to this because <laughs> he's reacted to people talking about Thor before. And when we're trying to get his attention for things, that's exactly the way that we sound. Thor, Thor, what are you doing? <laughs> Come on. Speaking of cats, so I was watching this with my dog who's asleep next to me and my cat who's in the room trying to fight Ultron. Every time Ultron would show up on screen, Pike would jump up to the TV, start screaming, and start hitting the screen. Do you use a laser pointer for him? Sometimes. He stole the last one, though, so I need to get another one. Maybe that's why, because there was a lot of lights coming out of Vult- uh, Ultron. Not Voltron, Ultron. <laughs> yeah, he, I don't know, he gets weirdly into some stuff on TV. Like, he has a favorite AEW wrestler. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Which is what? Alan Angels, number five from The Dark Order. All right. Our listeners would want to know. Mm-hmm. Pike has opinions. When the watcher is giving the briefing in the bar, I just thought of Futurama when, you know, the old guy comes in and good news, everyone, you know, every single time. <laughs> right. I thought of that. He didn't say the word, so it wasn't straight out of Futurama, but it did remind me of that a little bit. <laughs> Bad news, everyone. <laughs> the multiverse is ending. <laughs> Free drinks of the house. Okay. So, new challenge to Marvel. Bring us Billy West as a character next season. Did you guys catch earlier when Nat and when Peggy were talking in the Quinjet that Nat mentioned Bernard from accounting? Do you guys remember that? Yeah. So, Bernard, remember, was the name of the duck in Agent Flamingo. Carter. Flamingo. Oh, Flamingo. So, there has been a Bernard. I think it was a tip of the hat. To Agent Carter. I kind of hope so. I mean, don't just throw away an, a name like Bernard. Like, that. Yeah, it's not common enough name to just be randomly in there. No. Oh, speaking of, speaking of that, they started talking and I was like, oh no, I shipped them. Well, who doesn't? I mean, it was totally there. I mean, the two of them, BFFs. I mean, they don't have to be a couple, right? They're at least BFFs. But there was a ship vibe. I like them hanging around each other. Yeah, I'll totally read ships of fanfics of them dating, but you know what? I just want to see Peggy and Nat hanging out more. We're not going to get that chance, though, because that version of Nat... We could in the animated versions! They both... Both versions of Nat, though, they've kind of had the vibe going. Yeah, so I was thinking there's no Peggy in the universe that Nat went off to, but there is still a Nat in the universe that Peggy went off to. But there is also potentially another person we'll talk about later <laughs> in there, too. So I don't know. All right. There's just so much here. There's so much. on. What do you guys want to talk about next? <laughs> so when Strange. OK, first of all, I had to pause and figure out who got what drink. When Strange is going to, you know, have them all do a toast. So, Strange has a margarita. T'Challa has red wine. Thor has mead. Peggy has what looked to me like a hurricane. 
and Gamora and Killmonger both have what I've just dubbed purple space shots. Yeah, I don't know drinks well enough, so I'll have to roll with that. I just drink them. Yeah. And uh, T'Challa just getting like a literal eye twitch at Strange's terrible, terrible inspirational speech. What is up with Dr. Strange and his speech? I didn't. (laughs) He didn't get a doctorate in public speaking. He has no personal skills whatsoever, but he's intelligent enough to give like two words and he was stumbling through it and everything. And this is actually the actor doing this. This is not like a voice actor. So I loved it so much. It's uh, again, it's like when you spend all your time on certain things, other things in your life kind of go by the wayside. And I feel like he spent so long, you know, eating demons or whatever. And let's remember, he was literally the last person in his universe. So who else is he going to talk to, really? He threw all his stats at magic and zero of them at charisma. Exactly. The strange in the mainstream universe is a little bit more evenly balanced. Little bit. I did like the door in the bar as well, because you had, <laughs> you had Thor go out the bar. It reminded me of so many different sci-fi scenes. Most notably, Doctor Who has done it from time to time, where you go outside the TARDIS and like, ah! you want to go back in. So I did like that. I don't know what was out there, though. And I think it would be important to know what was out there, because I think it applies to the Loki series as well. <laughs> there ought the dot in the eye for Jeremy Baramy. This is important to me. And why it's important to me is there are days that I would like a certain meal and the restaurant that I want the meal from is closed because it's a certain day. And no, it's not Chick-fil-A. I'm talking about Chinese food. Like Mondays, my my favorite Chinese place is not open. So I would like to find this multiverse Chinese food delivery place because they seem to like it. And I Mm -hmm. would like to be able to order it through, I don't know, DoorDash or something or Uber Eats or whatever on Mondays when my Chinese place is closed and I want Chinese. Can we have that? I would like Only that. if we can also have multiverse snow cones, because I was going to go get snow cones for dessert earlier, but the snow cone place we were going to has closed for the season. And I mean, first of all, it's Texas. It's going to be hot until like mid-November, but sometimes it could be the middle of winter and I still want snow cones. Just give me snow cones. It might have to do with the workers availability like students maybe high school students maybe yeah but there's like some of the other snow cone places in the area are still open what's your favorite snow cone oh depends from which place that place the your favorite place well my favorite place is summer snow in kingsville texas and the leche quemada with a scoop of bluebell ice cream in the middle from there but i've also had it's It's called like pink nectar, and I like that mixed with cantaloupe with cream on top, and it's so good. Also, cucumber and melon, cucumber and watermelon is also really good in the middle of summer. And there's this one place here in Austin called Casey's that does a chocolate snow cone, and they actually like the day before they'll boil down the chocolate to be a syrup and use that, and it's really good. I like red. I had no idea. I literally had no idea. Oh, there's so many kinds of delicious snow cones. They're so good, especially the New Orleans style. New Orleans style and Hawaiian style are the superior kinds because they're very, very fluffy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this makes sense to maybe attend a Mardi Gras sometime in the future. Okay. 
Chris, what do you want to talk about next? I really love to hear how everybody had a purpose. You go into this thinking, okay, why is Thor here? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but how else were they going to get his attention? He said himself he's good at that. He's epically good at being disastrously attractive. Oh, that too. Yes. Yes. I was going to wash my hair. <laughs> I wrote this down here. It was like epically good at attracting unwanted attention. And he was. He did. Yeah. And he it's it was typical Thor. He's always racing in and doing stuff even later on, right? When he gets a little bit more responsible, he still has this side to him, right? Even on in Ragnarok and stuff, so his whole I trust everyone thing, he hasn't had Loki as a little sibling in his life to teach him otherwise. I mean, yeah, you know, he has Lo- Loki as a friend, but it's not the same when you're like actually living with that person. We have T'Challa there for sticky fingers. <laughs> sticky fingers. That was that was cool. Also, it was really cool. All the battle scenes were epically cool. So we had the battle on the cliff when Thor gets the unwanted attention. And that was kind of semi-planned. I mean, they weren't ready, but it was kind of planned. So they did all that sort of stuff. And the zombie witch coming down (laughs) and trying to take him out and then being epically not able to take him out because the whole planet blew up after that. Still distracted him. At least there was a use for the zombie episode. And... They were trying to say, oh, zombies are so cool. Well, eh, some people like zombies, but, and I know this was all pre-produced, but I don't know about you guys. I think universally the zombie episode fell a little flat. There was parts of it that I really liked, but it's, so the Killmonger episode is probably in the last place for me, which is super disappointing because I like Killmonger, but the zombie episode, I think, is the episode right in front of that. Yeah. Which is a shame because I love zombies. I love Marvel zombies. It's, I don't know. The fact that we didn't get humorous zombies is still bothering me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you had that happen. You had the whole Soul Stone fight that was straight out of the Guardians of the Galaxy with like Baby Groot running <laughs> around the platform at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, right? Where they're having that big fight. So it was parallel to so many parallels in all the fights. Mm-hmm. Like when Nat as red guardian or using the red guardian shield and peggy carter as captain carter was using the captain america shield and they were both going at ultron with the two shields at the same time that was amazing that i loved that so much and that was straight out of the final civil war fight scene between your friend bucky and cap going against tony stark it was just very similar to that they're Endgame, the one in a million sort of thing with Doctor Strange and the Watcher knowing the one in a million thing that was going to happen. Gamora getting the Soul Stone. I was like, ah, because she was the first person lost to the Soul Stone in the original timeline. And then Giant Man or, you know, the Ant-Man that gets large again, kind of out of Civil War there. But I think he was also in Endgame doing that, too. So, yeah, so many parallels to what was going on. And I got to say, Nat, she's got some crazy motor riding skill, motorcycle riding skills, right? Not just like crazy motorcycle riding skills, but like uber crazy and uber capable. I mean, the stuff that she was doing, she just was going through the ruins of the city. She does this epic jump. And then while she's doing this epic jump, she takes Clint's bow and this 
perfect arrow and makes the perfect shot and then lands where she's not being killed. I mean, that, that was, was so just cool. epic right there. Yeah. And Peggy going up there to take his mask off, Ultron's mask off, so that the arrow could go in his, an arrow in the eye. Lauren, you've never <laughs> had an arrow in the eye, right? Tell me you haven't had an arrow in the eye. An arrow? No. A Christmas tree? Yes. Okay, we're just going to skip right over that. So, it was, <laughs> it was awesome, right? Ask me on Twitter. I'll show the pictures. I mean, not the pictures of the Christmas tree in my eye, the scar. Okay, and then... Zola versus Killmonger versus Ultron. That was an epic battle there. And I don't think Ultron is necessarily dead. I think he might be, it might be contained within Zola, within the Ultron body. Within the bubble. Yeah, within the bubble, within (laughs) the bubble. We find out Killmonger's purpose there. It isn't just, oh, he's a good fighter. Oh, he's smart. It's so I, I started thinking back to. Natasha and that war games quote from Winter Soldier, the only way to win is not to play. So they have to remove the pieces. And the way that they do that is they put Zola and Killmonger in a stalemate. And then they just kind of lock them in. There's an episode of Adventure Time where kind of the same thing happens. It reminded me very heavily of that. And then we have Strange, you know, watching over them. He's kind of a a secondary watcher, if you will. Watcher Jr. Supreme Strange. This is, I think it's Strange Supreme, I think is the Marvel title for the character. Yeah, I've just been calling him Demon Strange. Because, <laughs> well, he's got a lot of tentacles, that's for sure. I loved when she, when that happens, and Peggy looks over like, those tentacles look really familiar. Yeah, so, Chris, are you disappointed that this is the callback that we got with Shumagroth? No, because there's going to be a season two. Without knowing that there's going to be a season two, I might have been. I'm always going to kind of expect them to just not mess with Shumagaroth because that's a weird set of things to get into. And they've pretty much only pulled from MCU stuff. Yes. We haven't had Shumagaroth in MCU yet. So once we get him in there, then yeah, full-fledged, we got to do it. But for now, it's just a nice little... Easter egg for people who just have been fans for a while. We're definitely going to get more into the cosmic beans that are available in the Marvel universe within the MCU coming up, but I just don't know who it's going to be, when it's going to be, that sort of thing. Yeah, by the time we get season two out, we're going to have so much more in the MCU, whether it's, you know, movies and the TV stuff coming up. So, and again, since right now Marvel is really embracing the weird, you add that to the what if universe and i really can't wait to see what we get there so let's talk about the infinity stones for a little bit because they were a big thing in the low key well not a big thing they were a small thing but big reveals came out about the infinity stones in the loki series we get the infinity stones here there was the whole deal with the infinity stones from different universes reacting differently right and that the crusher that gamora brought couldn't destroy the infinity stones because it was from a different universe so this brings up all sorts of questions like where exactly are in the multiverse that they are do all the infinity stones not work in wherever the time bureau is in loki and there's just so many infinity stones questions that i have i don't even know where to start asking them i think your first spot is 
why don't they work at the time bureau? Which we don't have an answer for that right now. So it's just a fun thing to guess on. Um, I've seen a lot of people talking about 2D time versus 3D time and just the way it's mapped out. And maybe stones only work in their spots on their 2D plane. But if you get onto another level, they suddenly start working again. Yeah, I had some thoughts on that. We've already know, like you said, that none of the Infinity Stones work in the TVA. And I think that's because they are outside of time and space. It's a separate little reality that has no Infinity Stones. So therefore, they're just paperweights. And in each version, it's like a key to a house. So there's keys to, you know, every every front door, most Pretty much every, let's assume every front door has a lock. So you need a key. While you might have a key, you might not have the key. So I think basically each set of infinity stones is intrinsically connected to that particular dimension, reality, plane of existence, whatever you want to call it. It's because they are tied into the way that reality works. It kind of makes sense that in a different reality, the stones might have slightly like it's still the same properties, but it's the same way that like, you know, we all have rods and cones in our eyes. That doesn't mean that the way I perceive the color blue is the same way you perceive the color blue. Main thing, though, is just I have a super crazy theory that I swear I just thought of. Maybe this is how they get X-Men into everything because they don't work in the TVA because of magnetism. It's all magnets. <laughs> Haley would love that. <laughs> all right. Said something about magnets. The Watcher just made this whole thing really cool. He was a little creepy. I mean, it was basically a little creepy last episode, or at least called out on being creepy. And then it just came through that last scene, though, after this is all said and done. And they come back to the bar and they all go back to their universes instantaneously. The door is just a metaphor. And Nat is talking to him about, can't you fix it? I mean, you've already interfered. Why can't you do this? And he responds of why he's doing things the way he is, because these stories are everything to him. And I have to say, we have talked to, we have seen we have responded to so many Marvel fans out there that say this is their life because the MCU has been going on since 2008. So people have literally grown up around this. And then there's old guys like me that have read the comics. I didn't personally, but read the comics when they were growing up and then finally see the MCU on screen the way it is right now. This is their lives. And this is what the watcher is channeling. It's channeling that level of fan. And I thought it was really neat that they were able to do a tip of the hat to the fan through the watcher at that level of emotion at this point in the series, in this after the climax of this finale. Matter of fact, to me, I think the watcher statement right there is the actual climax of the finale of the season, not necessarily the battle, which was epic in of itself. So the watcher's always been kind of a very meta character because, yeah, we are basically taking on the role of the watcher in our consumption of any media in general but let's just apply this to marvel right now in the comics you're the person who's reading the words and hearing the voices in your head in the movies you're the person who's sitting in that seat 
and getting emotionally involved watching these stories play out. And Jeffrey Wright, I think, killed it in that scene. Just that level of sincerity and emotion. And it got to the point where when, you know, Nat is like, don't I deserve a happy ending? I was like, look, if you're all of us, just write a fanfic. But, you know, that's not how The Watcher works. The other thing I think you really have to keep in mind is Nat sitting up there is like, did you make just make a bowl of popcorn and eat it while you're watching all this going on? And Watcher never denied it. So there's nothing saying he wasn't. We're there eating popcorn while we watch people, you know, fight and die on screen. It's, yeah. So in your vision chris are we talking microwave popcorn are we talking popcorn over the fire you know with the little aluminum foil thing are we talking like a actual popcorn maker which i actually have by the way an actual popcorn maker like movie theater level popcorn with lots of butter what kind of popcorn do you envision the watcher actually eating since he's the watcher and he's watching this much stuff he probably has the movie theater kind he probably gets real fancy with what kind of salt and other flavoring stuff he has I'm going to assume uses just below the threshold of too much butter. (laughs) Truffle oil, y'all. Truffle oil with Parmesan and some garlic salt and some parsley. Mm, So good. Oh, that's basically some fries from the bar across the street. True story. The daughter that's getting married in a couple of weeks here. I took her to a movie at some point, and I don't remember what movie it is. I'll have to ask her. I bet you she remembers it. Anyway, I took her to the movie, and we went to the movie theater. She's a big popcorn fan with tons of butter. So it was one of the first movie theaters that we went to that they let you put your own butter on. So I got a big tub, and I went over to the butter station, and she wanted a lot of butter. So I just, I don't know how many pumps of butter I put in there. It was sickening. And it was the only tub of popcorn I've ever seen her not eat the entirety of it because there was so much of that fake movie theater sauce over it that she just, she's like, yeah, halfway through the movies. Uh, and it legitimately made her stomach sick. So she had to go to the bathroom. So anyway, true story about that. You can put too much butter on the popcorn. You have discovered the amount. <laughs> Apparently. All right. So the. Guardians of the Multiverse are going off into their own places. We have Thor hugging Jane. We have Supreme Strange with his pocket universe within a pocket universe within the multiverse, within the omniverse. You have different people going to different places. I think the most notable ones were one Natasha. She went to the universe where Loki had taken over everything, right? It was the the three main people die right away. Right. Mm -hmm. And she went to that universe and the two people, the two heroes left with Nick Fury are Captain America, who he got out of the deep breeze. Right. And Mm -hmm. Captain Marvel and her, and she is the one that comes in and takes care of Loki. That was so cool. That was very, very, I mean, I was very happy. First of all, Natasha doesn't have to be the last person in the galaxy. And she's back with, you know, Peggy mentions there's three people that I know you trust and I'm lucky enough to be one of them. And in this, you know, in her, presumably her universe, those people were Fury, Steve and Clint. So now it's we have Fury. Clint is gone. We have Steve. And uh, 
she can meet Captain Marvel and figure all that out. Yeah, just I just really enjoyed the fact that she wasn't stuck all by herself because that would suck. Being by yourself is cool when you it's an option. It's not cool when it's a force on you. Exactly. I'm hoping that next season or maybe a future season or whatever that she actually gets to be with another version of Clint that comes over, like their universes combined for whatever reason, and that not only Clint but others as well are able to come over into that universe. And it doesn't have to happen, but you know, fanfic headcanon, it could happen. The other thing that happened is Peggy goes back and you get the interaction with that version of Nat on the ship. And instead of what happened in the MCU, we find that the ship was carrying the Hydra Stomper. With someone inside. So the first thing I thought of, and I want to know if y'all thought the same thing. Do you think that we are going to get a Winter Soldier-esque story with Steve the Hydra Stomper in season two? Honestly, this is going to be a bit of a downer, but my first thought was, how long has he been stuck in that suit? How is he still alive? See, that's why I was thinking Winter Soldier. If they freeze him in cryo and then take him out. Yeah, this is a villain organization that has it. So I could see that. Yeah, which would be unfortunately. But that's the first thing I thought of too, Chris, is there's going to be a skeleton in there if that is Steve. (laughs) Yeah, there's someone in there opens it, crumbles into dust. Oh, AC's not dumb. She knows that there is a big part of the fandom that want these two together, no matter what. And by these two, I mean Steve and Peggy. Now, you, you have the little Nat thing going on there, too. But the real couple that you want to see together are Steve and Peggy. Let's be real. I ship everyone and everyone. <laughs> so, Yeah, you could be a poly shipper, right? I am. Yeah. So anyway... They know that there's a big part of the fandom out there that want Peggy and Steve together. And this would be like the only way to do it is if he was in cryo, basically, which we know already exists in the MCU, which would be in their version of the MCU, too, probably. So, yeah, I could see that. As long as they don't open up the Hydra Stomper and he goes, hail Hydra, I'll be good. (laughs) That would be. Oh, okay. I'm getting the comic book references to that and everything, and whoa, that was bad. Yeah, I'm still, years later, I'm still very mad about that. It's not that far. Two years ago? It's not that long ago. Well, they redid it a couple years ago. Uh, Yeah, I know. Okay, the last thing I I want to bring up is the music. So the music in this episode were the themes to all the right heroes at all the right points. And I think they did a great job. The circle that they did, you know, the Avengers circle as they're fighting. So they did that same shot from the Avengers with the Guardians of the Multiverse. So that was cool. And I think they also did that same shot, that circle shot in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when they were going around everybody. So, yes. So the circle hero shot was redone. I really like that. But I also like the Avengers theme from the Avengers movie on the helicarrier at the end where nat comes in and takes care of loki so they did all the right music and all the right notes including uh, captain america the first avenger when you were seeing the hydra stormer there and the, the little piano notes there to that theme <laughs> i just loved it. it really brought it together and maybe maybe the music alone is what made me think that this was a, i'll just say it an epic finale yeah the music on this one I mean, it just hit it out of the park every single time it came on. 
this was the perfect way to wrap up the season for me. It has enough closure to feel satisfying and just enough loose threads that there's something to pick up on in season two. So I do want to inject one final thought for myself here as we close out here is that there was a post on Reddit of the title to the episode came in on Tuesday. So apparently you can get a hold of the titles the day before it comes out. And it was, what if the, what is the title of this? Uh, what, what if the watcher, the watcher broke his oath? Yes. Yeah. It was, what if the watcher broke his oath? And I said in a reply to that, so does this mean there is another multiverse where the Watcher did not break his oath? Yep. Why didn't I think of that? If we're going by that whole every choice causes a different multiverse to split off, then yeah, by necessity, there would be one where he didn't break his oath and everything died. So that was one of the comments that kind of break your phone because there were so many upvotes and replies and stuff like that. But there was one reply, and I don't remember who did. I will definitely put it in the show notes, though. The reply was something akin to, yes, of course, there's this thing called the Omniverse in Marvel, which is the step above the multiverse. So even Marvel Comics has a multiverse of multiverses, and it's called the Omniverse. That's why I said before that we were broadcasting to the Omniverse. So that was my moment there. So, Lauren, last thoughts. Somebody on Twitter, Arthur Chu on Twitter, mentioned earlier today that some people were asking, like, hey, Marvel, is there any plans to do a live action? What if? And if that was the case, then we should just have Jeffrey Wright in just normal street clothes. But then he turns to the camera and just starts monologuing every now and then. Either that or do a thing where they live stream one of their movies and just have Jeffrey Wright in character as like a watcher VTuber talking over it. And I am for either version of that in specific. I know Jeffrey Wright said he is up for a live action. Ver- I mean, what are you going to say? No, I mean, come on. Yeah, he did a great job. And I would, I actually would like to see more of that. I am lamenting a little bit. I don't think Stanley had the acting chops to do the watcher. Like, Jeffrey Wright did. I am lamenting the fact that Stanley couldn't pull this off, but I'm glad that an actor of the caliber that Jeffrey Wright was able to come in and do this. So it was a good news for that. Chris, last thoughts. I hope that for season two, they can pick up the things in the not as good episodes so they can have those not happen again. More importantly, I hope that they pick up the things from the good episodes so we can get a lot more of the like what if Doctor Strange went crazy? Like quality level of stories, definitely not the emotional level every time because that would crush me. It was a good episode. The Doctor Strange episode was a good episode, but it was emotionally crushing, as you just said. And I would not want to watch that every week. I had a lot of fun with the first episode. I, a lot of people didn't like the first episode because it was a beat by beat for the movie, and they said, "I don't want to see that." But there's others of us out there that are like, "Yeah, it, like me." I actually enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed there being a, just a character swap there and then what would happen from there. So I did enjoy that. And Dr. Strange, I enjoyed that from a storytelling. And we talked about it before. I like time movies. I like time loop movies and shows, TV shows went through the whole history in that episode of various different 
time loop television shows. But yeah, I would like for there to be more lighthearted stuff because I really enjoyed the Thor one. And Jason, if you're listening to this, I understand that this episode, you like this episode, but that you just couldn't get over the Thor. You didn't like the party Thor. And yeah, there are characters that every single one of us are like, huh? I don't like that. So it is what it is. Mm-hmm. All right. Season two, I'm looking forward to it whenever they pop it. I think they're going to try to do it in 2022, but I wouldn't be surprised if it pushes to 2023. We'll see. Yeah, I'm figuring probably 2023. And we're getting so much stuff out that, you know what? I'm okay with that. I would love it even more if they just flat out now said, wait, they're waiting till 2023. Give them some more time to get some of this stuff to come out so that they have a whole new crop of things and so they can get all the spider people fully back so we can get a ghost spider in what if. Exactly. That'd be fun. Although I do know that they are in pre-production for season two right now. So they're already doing the storyboarding and probably going to animation pretty soon. Yeah. Just as long as they don't rush it and tell the story that they want to tell, I'll be happy. And with that, I'll say, AC Bradley, anytime you want to come on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., you just call us up and we'll have you on the show. I don't even care if we don't talk. What if you're just an amazing person (laughs) want to do that. So next week there is actually for the first time ever in legends of shield history, there is no new screen properties that we can discuss. There's still Shang-Chi, but it's not available to everybody on, on Disney plus right now. So next week we will have an episode, but it will be a news only episode and it'll be a feedback only episode. So if you have any feedback from what we just discussed or anything else that we are about to discuss, feel free to get a hold of us on Twitter. You can send us an email, StargatePioneer at GuinnessGeek.com or our voicemail line, 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. With that, you guys ready to talk some news? Oh yeah. Let's do it. Okay, so Disney and Scarlett Johansson have come to an agreement. It was just days after their first court hearing. Scarlett Johansson made a statement on this past Thursday. I am happy to have resolved our differences with Disney. I'm incredibly proud of the work we've done together over the years and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in years to come. So I was skimming. Neither side gave any indication of exactly what the settlement was, but according to whoever wrote this deadline article, they said, when all is said and done, the deal will run to more than $40 million, and the funds will not be paid by Disney in a single lump sum. And so, since Scarlett is going to keep working, I mean, yeah, she's done as the MCU version of Black Widow, at least as far as we know, but she's going to be in some other disney movies including tower of terror i think we mentioned that briefly last week no we didn't this had not come out by the time we recorded last week this came out like hours after we recorded well i meant that she's going to be in the tower of terror movie we were wondering like what was going to happen with that right so i don't think we talked about that last time Part of this agreement was an epic apology by Disney Studios chairman Alan Bergman, who said, quote, I am very pleased that we have been able to come to a mutual agreement with Scarlett Johansson regarding Black Widow. We appreciate her contributions to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and look forward to working together on a number of upcoming projects, including Disney's Tower of Terror, unquote. 
so much to unpack here. Remember, Disney went after Scarlett very hard. They tore her down in the statements. So them coming back after the first court hearing and figuring out they were not going to get the arbitration that they were angling for, I think settled them into, oh crap, we need to take care of this and we need to take care of this now. Also, we previously talked about the Russo brothers having stalled their negotiations based on what was going on with this lawsuit. And there was more and more of Hollywood coming out on Scarlett's side. There was nobody coming out on Disney's side on this whatsoever. Again, what we're talking about is Black Widow came out and they went to Disney Plus in addition to going out to the theaters. And that time in the pandemic here in the United States, a lot of people still didn't feel comfortable going to movie theaters. People don't feel comfortable doing it now. But at that point in time, it was like the first big movie to come out that a lot of people, after having their vaccines, whatever, thought that they could go out and see it. But there was still a lot of hesitancy. So Disney decided to not only release it in theaters, but release it on Disney+. Plus. There was a release of the opening box office premiere weekend with Disney Plus numbers included. That has never happened before, and I have not seen it happen since. So this was a singular thing, and I think Disney handled the whole thing very poorly. I think that they were trying to get around some of the monetary compensation that was on contract. I think they thought the pandemic insulated them. And I think the turnover from Bob Iger to Alan Bergman had a serious impact on this whole thing where Bob Iger would have handled it very differently. And I wouldn't be surprised if Bob called Alan up and basically said, WTF, dude, you can't do this to talent. You can't do this to our public image. So much happened with this. I'm so glad that it settled. I'm so glad Scarlett got, I hope, with what she wanted. I did hear that she originally wanted. 20 million. And this is in addition to her payments, I think, uh, that she got from the uh, just starring in the film. This is like the the share, the profit yeah, share. Yeah, it would have been like from the back end. Right. So they just wanted 20 million. And this got to the point where if this went through court, she would have gotten like 100 million or something like that. So they settled for 40 and the public apology and to continue her on with projects. So if I was Scarlett, I would feel singed. But at the same time, It's hard to bite the hand that feeds you like Disney is the machine that she's able to work in right now and get some big dollars from. So I'm applauding her for turning the other cheek, so to speak, winning and being able to hold her head high with all this. And I'm glad that this is over. This really epic bad thing is over. But I'm still a little singed from it from a fan standpoint. Like, Disney, what were you thinking? Disney is really not having a good time in the court of public opinion right now. First was that. Then it's there's I know if you go to Neil Gaiman's Twitter, there's a hashtag. It's like make Disney pay or something like that because they are not honoring the contracts of specifically right now Star Wars writers from the old expanded universe they were still supposed to pay them like their residuals and stuff and they're not and there's also been the copyright stuff that's that we talked about last week so they took a hit they took a big hit deservedly so because 
Disney is not the best on good business practices. Never really has been. And yeah, if they want to continue being a media conglomerate, you're going to want to be someone that people want to work with. Yeah, you can't have the kind of market share that Disney has and expect to keep it if you're going around changing the contracts. When you're at a point where nobody can really do anything about it, you can't go and try to get laws changed so you can keep your stuff when everybody knows that's why it's happening because it's been happening for like the past, I don't want to do the math, long enough to where everybody knows and they own everything. You've already got a large contingent of people who are at least leaning anti-Disney because of just the everything that Disney owns and worried about an entertainment monopoly. Yeah, and I'm glad it's over. And I don't ever want to see anything like this from Disney again, pulling this crap because that was bad. They might release a movie to Disney Plus in the future solely. Okay, just pay the people appropriately for it and make sure the contracts are structured as such. I know Disney's going to want to keep as much as they want. They have shareholders that are shareholders for a reason. They want money and everything, but you got to keep the talent. You got to have a reputation of being able to pay your talent well and fairly, you know, not like overcompensating, but fairly. All right, let's move on to Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. We had James Gunn throw a tweet out there on October 2nd. He said, in my incredibly subjective and admittedly often odd opinion, we'll be introducing one of the greatest MCU characters of all time. Hashtag GTOG holiday special. I think I know who it is. Who? I think it's going to be Simon Williams, a.k.a. Wonder Man. We know that he had Nathan Fillion as him in scenes that did not make it into Guardians Volume 2. And he's been trying to put Wonder Man in. And honestly, Wonder Man is a really fun character. So I'm betting we are going to see or hear or whatever Nathan Fillion as Simon Williams, a.k.a. Wonder Man, in the holiday special. I have no actual guess on who it is, but my very unofficial guess is going to be Ghost Spider, because I'm just throwing that name out there as often as possible. If it is Nathan Fillion as Wonder Man, I don't know if you know this or not, Lauren, but he did voice Wonder Man in MODOK. Yep. So that would be a nice crossover there. Mm -hmm. Also, AC Bradley and Brian Andrews did several interviews. We've linked a variety.com and an EW.com article in there. Basically, they're talking all about season two and the fact that they will continue some storylines into season two, as well as the one episode that they couldn't do in season one, which was the Gamora Tony Stark episode that we saw there. So we'll get that more of that in the background. And they mentioned all sorts of issues into COVID and why they couldn't have the episode and stuff like that. So a lot of information there. Now, the bigger news, though, I think, is something that came to our attention through Andy Migna on Twitter, but has been all over the place today, <laughs> and that's a Variety.com exclusive that there will be a WandaVision spinoff starring Katherine Hahn, currently in the works, at least, at Disney+. Plus. Okay, so I love Katherine Hahn, and I love the character of Agatha Harkness in the comics, so I'm pretty hyped for this. 
it's expected that WandaVision's head writer, Jack Schaefer, would serve as writer and executive producer. Should the spinoff go forward, it would be the first project that Schaefer has set up with Marvel since she signed an overall deal with them in May. And I can kind of see where I think it would go. I'm not sure if that's the direction they will go. But we know that Agatha is trapped inside Agnes's head. And I think it'll be basically a story about her busting out. This is a complete list of all the reasons why this is a horrible idea. SP, do you have anything to add? (laughs) I'm going to have to add a lot of silence there in post yeah no i don't have any reason uh, Catherine hahn is amazing she really brought that character to light i read the scarlet witch comics run which was my introduction to all these characters and she took it in a way that was different but much much more fun i think and i have no idea if they plan to use her in the broader mcu or not but having her in a disney plus series will just be amazing. The sitcom factor alone is going to be great. So I have no idea if they're going to be in the same place or if they're going to move on to somewhere else or anything, but just having her around is great. And because she's around, you know, you're going to get other MCU characters as well. And if we could get Darcy along with this, that'd be great. As a matter of fact, every single Marvel project from now on must have Darcy in it. That's just, no complaints here. That's my standby. Yeah. I will sign that contract five times. So I guess that is my one thing I have to add. Put Darcy in it. <laughs> All right, that's it for the news. We do have some extensive feedback. You guys ready to listen in to what our fans had to say? Uh-huh. I'm excited. Fans are fun. This was a fun tweet to do every week. I think uh, it started at mid-season over on the at Legends of Shield Twitter account, and I think we're going to keep on doing it for Hawkeye. So the tweet basically goes like this. Describe this week's what if official episode. What if the watcher broke his oath in one word? Go. And our first response came from, I don't know, I might be pronouncing this incorrectly. You know, I often do. Stargeetpinier. Stargate Pioneer, I think. <laughs> Stargate Pioneer, by the way. That was me. And I said Cosmic Tacular. Yep. We also had from at Kazekun Forever, Incredible. At Mr. Paraclete said, Vegas, all caps. And at Adana Girl said, Whoa, with a gif. It was a gif. It was, it was the uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, so great ones there. We'll continue to do it when we get to the Hawkeye season in November. Also, we actually got a voicemail from Yay! at Mr. Paracletes, and this is in response not to the episode, but to our episode last week. Hello, Legends of Shield. This is at Mr. Paracletes. Uh, it's good talking to you guys. So, one of my issues with that last episode, what if Ultron one, was the use of the Identity Stone. The series Loki gave us the idea outside of the multiverse where the TVA exists is that the stones should have no power. That's why they're bombed. But what was explained to me on a YouTube link that I shared with you guys was that the multiverse is two-dimensional, but they all have a commonality of the Big Bang. So no matter which multiverse that the Watcher goes to, 
or that Ultron is able to travel to, the stones still have the same power. So time is two-dimensional. That's how the Watcher is able to travel around, and the stones retain their power. So the TVA would have to exist on a level beyond the two dimensions of the multiverse. So that's why when the stones end up there, they're just powerless bottles. But yeah, I just wanted to share that thought with you guys that I think helps explain why the stones still work even with Ultron outside of his own universe going through the multiverse. Thanks. Love the podcast. Talk to you soon. First of all, thank you very much at Mercer Paracletes for sending that voicemail in. Really appreciate that. Yes, we do have a voicemail line, 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. And this is an interesting take. I will share the YouTube link in the show notes, and I think we'll have to come back and discuss this a little bit more next time. What do you think, Chris? I think this is 99% chance of the 2D versus 3D space uh, (laughs) reference that I had heard this from first. I saw it from a few places like the same day, but I'm pretty sure this is the first one I saw. So the, yeah, it's difficult to describe what's going on with our perceptions, right? So you just try to find different ways to give it meaning. And I think this is important to talk about because of what we saw in the finale, which he did not see yet when he sent this voicemail off and with what we saw in Loki. So we'll get back to that next week. Also, a couple of weeks ago, we ran the story by the admin or the moderator over on the MCU wiki talking about making the television shows MCU canon. We did have a back and forth with BEJT, which you can find on Twitter at BEJT. And I just want to bring out one of the things he said. He was very gracious and was communicating us back and forth with very long things. but. I want to say one thing here on the podcast is I was asking to define MCU canon. What is MCU canon? Lauren, you basically said whatever it is that the writers want now, basically, or whatever project is. And then BEJT came back and said, quote, in terms of defining MCU canon, it's not something that I had thought of to do in the letter, again, in large part due to this being directly written to Marvel Studios. But by this, I mean what I would believe is the general understood definition, an official part of the MCU continuity. I'll say that again, an official part of the MCU continuity, meaning an official part of the continuity of the fictional universes which officially comprise the MCU, Earth-199999, and its adjacent universes confirmed as parts of the franchise. In the case of the shows, the letter is specifically pleading for them to remain as Earth-199999, with the issue of shunting them to another universe addressed. So, thank you very much, at BEJT. Again, I will say that this communication to us was before this episode of What If came in, and I don't think it had a huge impact on it, but thank you very much again, at BEJT, for the communication back and forth. We really appreciate it. So, Lauren, I'm scratching my head now. We're not in a bar in the middle of the multiverse. So what do you think you want to do right now? Well, I'd say we should probably pop back into our respective realities on the way out. What a great episode of What If. I've watched it like three times. I think I'm going to watch it again. Matter of fact, I might be able to stream all of the episodes. And because of that, I want to thank 
all our listeners for downloading all of our shows and everybody that's given us feedback and talked about this What If series with us. And in that light, Chris, I have to tip my hat off to you and thank you very much for joining us for this series. It's been an absolute pleasure. As I've said every time, you know, thank you for letting me come on. Thank you for giving me a chance to talk about this stuff where I know I don't have to edit it later. And, you know, it's always nice to come on another show because it's just a breath of fresh air. You're doing something different. You know, what if my show was more like yours through all these episodes (laughs) we got to find out? Yeah. Again, what if Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. was play comics? See, it would be fun, wouldn't it? Everybody go check both of them out. What if Lauren didn't talk for three hours? Then I wouldn't have to edit an hour and a half out. (laughs) Chris, if anybody wants to listen to you on your show where would they find you the best place to go for that is playcomics.com where as we're recording this we just had a new comic review go up i will go ahead and say this i won't tell you what they are but the sunday after us recording this is going to be a double release because i just feel like it and want to get them both out Ooh, double double toil and trouble exactly I'd like to thank everybody who's gotten a hold of us, whether it's on Discord, on Twitter, the voicemail. Y'all, you don't understand how much we love voicemails. We love hearing things directly from you, whether it's, you know, written or spoken. We just really love knowing your opinions. And thank you so much for sharing them with us. We really appreciate it. And until next time, which will be a new show again, I'm Director SB. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Consultant Chris. Bye. See everybody next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Hey, dude. How you doing? Good. How are you? All right. Got to turn you down a bit. Oh, I got to turn me down, too. So it's the same. Two dudes have to turn each other down. Yeah, we'll get over it. I hope. <laughs> Someday. I don't know if either of you two have actually watched any of Spidey and his missing friends episodes yet or not. No. Not yet. That'll probably get taken care of at least the beginning of it this weekend. We were going to start, but then we decided to start watching Squid Game. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I don't think I'll watch it just because I have so much other stuff to watch, but I've heard a lot about it at work. It's yeah, only nine episodes, so it's not yeah, a big It's only commitment. nine episodes. Each episode's only like a half hour long. It's still four and a half hours. I don't know if I have, I'll have have the time to devote to that. Yeah. Because different things like Foundation is on now and stuff. So. Yeah, I went to a... Um, there's a bubble tea place that i like yesterday that was having a squid game viewing party where if you bought an entree with your drink 
then uh, you get the the little cookie from the third episode. And I would have died immediately. It broke in half like the second I touched it. Oh, what did you get? I got an umbrella. So did my oh. friend that I was with who also would have died immediately. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.